Amen. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord tonight. Amen. Lord, we worship you just for a little bit longer tonight. I know it's cold outside and I know it's a little late, but we can give some praise to the Lord before we start the service tonight. He's the one we're here for tonight. He's the one we're come to praise tonight. We've come to give him the glory. We've come to give him the honor tonight. We've come to give him the praise. Let us never forget, God, while we come here, Lord Jesus. We worship you this morning. We praise you this evening, God. We love you today, Jesus. And we give you the praise. We give you the honor. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Jesus. And you're worthy, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that song. It talks about the blood. The blood of the Lamb. Lord, let us never forget the precious blood. Let us never forget the blood that was shed on Calvary for you and I so that we could have this opportunity to come to Christ anytime we please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thankful for my beautiful wife. I'm glad she takes after her mother. <laughs> Amen. Amen. No, no. So thankful for, for her and Mallory this afternoon. They did a wonderful job. And leading service uh, a few Sundays ago, I, was, I mentioned... Uh, talking about and, and, and passing the blood of the Lamb and, and just the name of Jesus. And uh, a lot of times we forget the power of the name of Jesus. And in the prayer room tonight, it just kind of come back to my, the forefront of my mind. And this doesn't have anything to do with what I'm, with what I'm preaching on tonight, but I just thought I would I'd give this to you guys. And uh, it's just the name of Jesus is such a powerful thing. And a lot of times when we come to the end of our rope and, and to the end of our road, we really don't know where else to turn, but we just simply call out on the name of Jesus. And a lot of times maybe that's out of habit, but I, maybe we don't understand the full power in the name of Jesus, Brother Bush. Now, maybe we truly don't understand the full power in just the name of Jesus. But, and maybe I don't understand that, but I do know that wars were won in the name of Jesus. And I, I do know that prayers were answered in the name of Jesus. And I do know that the blind received their sight through the name of Jesus. And I understand that miracles still happen through the name of Jesus today. So it would be remiss if we never called on the name of Jesus and, and never let me call on the name of Jesus out of habit. But God, when I call on your name, let me always know and remember that there are things that truly happen when we call upon the name of Jesus. There are things that happen. There is a moving in the atmosphere when we call upon the name of Jesus. Amen. It's so good to be with you guys this afternoon. Thank you very much for having us here tonight. Like I said this morning, it's such an, it feels just like home here for my wife and I both. And we're so glad that we could be with you guys for both services. Thank you for having us. I give honor to Brother Bushnell, as I said this morning. What a wonderful man of God that y'all have pastoring this church. And I give honor to my pastor as well. Uh, he he called me or texted me just a few moments ago before service checking on me and making sure everything was good. So I, I appreciate him as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles tonight or you may can read it on the screen, I'm going to be preaching from 2 Samuel chapter 4. Amen. We're going to go ahead and jump into the word of the Lord. I'm not going to be long-winded tonight either. 
so you don't have to worry about that. In 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verses 4, it says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Let's just open this service up with prayer tonight. God, we thank you for bringing us here one more time. We thank you, God, for everything that you've done in this morning's service. We thank you, God, for allowing us to be back here once again. Lord, let us let us take for granted coming into this wonderful place to be able to worship you, to be able to glorify you, God, and we praise you, Lord. Our heart cries out for you tonight. Lord, our heart cries out for you tonight, Jesus. Why don't you just lift him up with a hand clap of praise tonight as you're seated. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Here in this particular text, we are introduced to a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. He was the son of Jonathan, which is the grandson of Saul. And we all know the lineage of Saul, and we all know the story of him and Jonathan and David. And being the lineage of royalty that Mephibosheth was, we don't particularly find ourselves reading the scripture of his introduction the way that we would think it should be. So personally, when I think, Brother Bushnell, of some a particular lineage of uh, Jonathan or Saul, I think of royalty. I think of somebody that is very high esteemed in society. I think of fine gold and silver uh, being showered with servants and, and this, this linen and all of the greatest things in the land, however, for Mephibosheth, this wasn't particularly the case. And I have heard Mephibosheth's name quite often, but as I began to read and as I began to study his life, there were things in his life that I really truly just didn't understand or didn't grasp as to why it happened the way it did. But as the Bible always does, his life had a very key role in how everything come together. For when the scripture introduces us to his life, in the life of Mephibosheth, we're immediately pulled in to a world full of chaos, a world full of confusion. There was no particularly great or tremendous introduction, nothing great about Mephibosheth, but as soon as we are pulled into his story, it is a world of chaos, killing, murders, confusion, a very gory battle going on that Saul and uh, Jonathan were in. And as their death came to a halt, we find the nurse taking over Mephibosheth. So tonight, I just want you to go on a short journey with me as I did this morning. And I just want you to follow after me this morning. We're going to look into in depth the life of Mephibosheth. And I can only imagine my imagination runs wild with me whenever I begin to read this story. But I can't help but think as the nurse heard the news of Jonathan and Saul's death, panic immediately starts to set in. You have to remember this nurse, this is all she knew. This Jonathan and Saul were her, her, her masters. This is who she served. And as she got news of their death from Jezreel, she immediately begins to grab everything she could before running to the fields for safety. She makes sure to grab her food, her water, perhaps a few extra clothes, and last but not least, the soon-to-be rightful heir to the throne of Israel. 
And as she grabs Mephibosheth by the hand, they begin to run to the fields in hopes of finding safety. Faster, she screams. Young Mephibosheth is doing all he can to keep up with the nurse. And in the midst of the disarray and the calamity, he falls to the ground. And as he tries to pick himself up and run to keep up with his nurse, he suddenly realizes that he can no longer walk on his own. And now we find the nurse struggling to get young Mephibosheth off of the ground and into safety before it is too late. And she finds her house. Finally, she finds the house of Maker in the land of Lodabar. And little does young Mephibosheth know that this in the land of Lodabar will where he will reside for almost the rest of his life, as it may seem. This is where he will find a wife and he will find his, that he has children. And this is where his newfound friend, Maker, will care for him and his disability for the rest of his life. And tonight I want to take you a little bit deeper than just the surface of the story, but I want you to realize that even though despite all of this that is going on, understand that Mephibosheth was not born with his affliction. But because of circumstances that he had to endure and because of things that were completely out of his control, he was now crippled for the rest of his life. This was something that he would have to live with till he found, till he found his grave. There was nothing that would ever separate him or ever detach him from his disability that he had from this uncontrollable circumstance. You see, suppose he was supposed to be king, Brother Bushnell. He was supposed to be the leader of Israel. All by all rights, by all legality, he was supposed to be the king. By lineage, by law, after the death of Saul and Jonathan, Mephibosheth was supposed to be the next king of Israel. He was supposed to inherit all of the land, all of the livestock. It was more than just a title, but he was supposed to lead Israel. He was supposed to be the ruler of the land. This was his right. But due to an unfortunate situation that was out of his control, instead of being where he should have been, he was in the land of Lodabar. So I began to study the land of Lodabar, Brother Bush. Now, and I couldn't help but, but, but just try to translate it in as many different translations as I possibly could because it had to be something. And uh, it was no particular place. It was nothing that was fancy about the land of Lodabar. In fact, it can be uh, translated into the term land of no communication, a land of no pasture, a land that was very dry, a land that was very barren. Lodabar was such a barren place. There was nothing planted there. There was nothing grown there. But actually, Maker was a barterer. He would buy, sell, trade, and this is how they made their living in the land of Lodabar. There were no goods, there were no cattle, there were, there were no animals, no sheep. This is how they made their living, by barter, by trade and sell of other people's goods. So as Mephibosheth began to grow older, I can only imagine the thoughts that would rush through his mind because he knew where he was supposed to be. He was old enough to know that he was supposed to be the king and he knew who he was and he knew who his father was. He was not oblivious to the fact, but he knew who his father was. He knew who his grandfather was. But just simply going back to Israel was completely out of the question. For one, his affliction restricted him from traveling to the kingdom, or so he thought. 
And secondly, you couldn't just show up to the kingdom unannounced, but there had to be some sort of invitation. There had to be an invitation from the king given before you could just go and make a way to the king. You couldn't just set up an appointment. You couldn't just call David on the cell phone and say, hey, I'll be there at five o'clock. I'm going to knock on your door. I want to talk. I want to visit with you. But there was an invitation from the king that had to be given before there was ever a meeting. And can you imagine the desperation that made home and, and the depression that began to settle in Mephibosheth's life? Imagine the hurt of seeing someone sit in the very seat that was supposed to have been yours. The very position that you were supposed to have by right, someone else was occupying it. And doing a very good job at it, might I add. I can hear him tell Maker, Maker, that was my throne. I deserve to be there, and it's not my fault that I'm crippled, maker. I, I don't even know how I got here, honestly. I, I don't know what I did to deserve what I have and what I've been through. But despite something that was completely out of my control, I find myself here. But how did I ever get to this place of no communication in my life. I, I don't understand. It seems as though I was on a good road. I had a good house, a good family. I was supposed to be king, but, but now I'm here in the land of Lodabar with a crippling disease, and I, I can't even move without somebody's help. I, I can't go any further. I can't go backwards. I can't do anything because I, of something that I could not control in my life. How did my future go from being so bright to this, to this dull and depressing land of Lodabar to where there is nothing, there is no growth, there is no trees, there is no vegetation. This is absolutely despising, maker. How, how did I get here? And the more that I begin to think about this particular instance, the more I begin to realize just how much our life can sometimes be a direct reflection of the life of Mephibosheth. There's times that I have felt that discouragement. There's times that I have felt that hurt and that depression. And maybe there are those tonight that can relate to that as well. But those that despite what you have envisioned yourself being or where you have envisioned yourself being, you seem as far off from that mark as you possibly can be. And you figured that at this point and season in your life, you would be at a particular point and you didn't quite reach your goal, but now you find yourself in the land of Lodabar and no matter what you do to fix it, it seems like you can never get any further. It seems like you can never press port past that point of no communication. But every time you go to pray and every time you go to fast and every time you go to make a commitment, there is a wall that you cannot press forward, that there is something stopping you, that there is something in your path. And you cannot get out of that rut that you are in just as Mephibosheth. And there is nothing that you can do about it because it's a circumstance that you had no control over. And time and time again, you try to hear from the voice of God and you try to find that connection that maybe you once had, but you can never seem to get an answer. Has anybody ever tried to hear from God and it just seems like there is no answer? It seems like you can't get an answer no matter how hard you try. But we find ourselves in that land of Lodabar trying our hardest and thinking of ways to get out. But it seems like it's completely hopeless and helpless. Stranded in the land of Lodabar. 
Tonight, my title comes from that, Despite My Affliction. And the thing about all of this and all of these things going on, it's not even your fault. It's nothing that you could possibly control. You've done everything you know to do, but because of a situation that was placed in your life that was completely out of your control, you have been left crippled and scarred and bruised and helpless and ultimately stranded in a desolate place. And you have no control over the obstacles and the things that you face, but, but you know this is not where you're supposed to be. And now you're back at the same place wondering what do I do now and where do I go from here? And it, it seems like all hope is gone gone and all of your faith is completely diminished but because you weren't always like this you didn't always have that affliction you weren't born with this affliction there was a time in your life maybe where everything was great and you knew that God had a plan for your life but now because of things that have happened in your life you don't even seem so sure Maybe you seem like you're in the same old rut that you go through day in and day out. And there is nothing that you can do to change that. But I'm here to tell you tonight that despite your affliction, despite everything that you go through, it's not over. 2 Samuel 9 and 1 through 7 says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left? Of the house of Saul. This is just completely out of the blue. After a lot of wars and a lot of things that have happened, David just says this out of the blue, out of nowhere. That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Because of the relationship that he had with Jonathan, he was looking for someone to show his kindness to. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show my kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Emil in Lodabar. And the king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker and the son of Emil from Lodabar. I love it when God just simply steps on the scene. And when everything that you seem like you're in the midst of your trials and the deepest part of your troubles and then out of nowhere God steps on the scene and begins to implement a plan and put something into action. Because out of nowhere David begins just to miss Jonathan and, and out of nowhere he misses the relationship that they had and, and because of a deep connection he puts a plan into action. And I want to stop and tell you here that just because you can't see it, just as we said this morning, just because you can't see what's happening, doesn't mean that God doesn't have a specific plan drawn to fit your needs. Just because you can't see it taking place doesn't mean that God hasn't already put something into action. Just because you can't feel what's happening doesn't mean there's not something coming down your road. We just here recently finished a remodel. If you were able to make it to Taylor and I's wedding, then maybe you saw all the the, it just looked terrible at that time. I'll just be honest with you. It looked like we were in the middle of mass destruction in the front of the church, and it's absolutely beautiful now. But we just finished our remodel not too long ago, and the um, pastor told us that we could use the top of it for 
our uh, youth room, and it's a huge room. It's, it's, it's going to be amazing when we get finished with it. And we were excited, and we walked in there, and uh, Taylor and I and a few people on the committee, and we said we would love to do this. We would love to do this to the walls, and we want to have this over here, and this is the kind of floors that we want to lay down. And, of course, we have to clean everything up, but this is what we want here and here and here, and it's going to be absolutely beautiful. And um, on our way back home, and I got to thinking to myself, man, that's going to take a lot of money to do that. That's everything, everything nowadays takes money. It's expensive, and especially when you're raising money for a youth group, you have money to raise for Youth Congress, just regular events. When you want to do things, you have to raise money for all of this stuff. And, and we're raising money right now for Youth Congress. And I was thinking to myself, man, these are, we're going to do this one day. We're going to have this implemented and, uh, and we're going to have this room finished. It may take a while, but we're going to raise up enough money to do it somehow or some way. And then that following Sunday, uh, there was a gentleman in our church, him and his wife, called Taylor and I over and gave us $1,000 in $100 bills and said, I want to donate this to the youth group. So we don't know why, we just want to donate this to the youth group. And I begin to think it's just amazing how even though you can't see, you have plans and you want to put things into action. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that God hasn't already told somebody to help you out. It doesn't mean that God hasn't already told you something. $1,000 isn't very much, but it's a lot whenever you don't have very much. And it's a lot whenever you're struggling and you're trying to raise money. And I'm thankful for every penny that we get. But it just goes to prove that God is on the scene even when you think he's never there. That God has something working even when you don't truly understand everything that's happening. Mephibosheth didn't know it, but there was a servant of the king walking down his road. Maybe he was lying in his bed. Maybe he was sitting there at the table eating dinner. But there was a servant that was walking down his road carrying news that would change Mephibosheth's life forever. He may not have seen it, but there was a miracle that was about to take place in his life. The invitation that he had waited so long for was about to come knocking at his door. And tonight, you and I have that very same invitation We have the invitation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Despite our afflictions, we have to allow, we we don't have to allow the current problems and situations in our life to determine the rest of our life because we have a King. And not because of anything that we have done, but because of the father that we have is just like the father of Mephibosheth. Because of the relationship that we have established with our father and because of the things that our father has implemented before us and the things that our father has placed before us. And because of his actions and because of who he is, we have an open invitation. John chapter 19 and verses 17 through 18 says... This is our invitation tonight. And he bearing his cross went forth into the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. And John 19 and 40 says, they took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. In John 20 and 5, it goes on to say that, and he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes yet lying, yet he was not in there. 
through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, Jesus paid it all. And all of the worries and all of our problems and all of our frustrations, everything that you and I face, the invitation has been given at Calvary. And He wants to fill us, to fill us with that peace again. And He wants to fill our voids. And He wants to fill our empty spaces. And He died and paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. And He wants us to feel whole again. He wants us to take out of Lodabar and where we can feel his presence once again. He wants to give you rest. Why should we have to live with these afflictions any longer? And why carry that load? And why carry that guilt and shame? When, when tonight we can come into the kingdom and lay it at the altar because of an invitation that we have from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The miracle that you've been waiting on is here. And the affliction that you have been dying to get rid of is deliverance is found here in the altar tonight. And tonight I challenge you to take that invitation. I challenge you to move forward with that invitation that was given at Calvary. To take up the cross and to move forward. Or you allow that precious blood that was shed at Calvary to be completely in vain. Because he died and paid the ultimate sacrifice and endured the ultimate pain so that we could have the opportunity to march into the kingdom. To have a revelation with him. Hallelujah. To have a revelation with him. The blood shed at Calvary. The ultimate sacrifice so that I, a lowly sinner, so that I, an absolute nobody, can come and walk into such a holy place as the kingdom of God and have a relationship, an advocate with the Father to say, God, despite what I am, despite what I am and what I've been through, and despite, even though I, I don't really know where I am, God, and I don't know who I am, but, but God, I know that I'm a child of the King because of a relationship that you have predisposed me to, God. Because of a relationship you died for me to have with you, God. That's who I am. That's where I draw my peace in my troubling storms. That's where I draw my understandings in times of desperation, God. That's where I draw the line oh God that's where I find my hope and my rest hallelujah I'm coming to a close if the musicians would come and towards the end of this story is what I find the most interesting we find that Mephibosheth didn't waste any time when he was handed the invitation there was no okay let me go pack and I'll get ready and I'll be there in a few days, a few months. But because, here we come to that word again as we did this morning. But because he was desperate. And because he was hungry for a change in his life. He made his way to the kingdom. Because he was absolutely tired of everything in his life that was going on. And because it was something that he waited his whole life for. He made his way to the kingdom with his help of maker. He said, Maker, you're going to have to help me. Everything that I've been going through has crippled me. And everything in my life that I have been through has scarred me and it has bruised me. But I will not let that keep me from going to the kingdom of the Almighty. I will not let that keep me from receiving my blessing. Because I know this is my opportunity. 
and maker. I may not be able to get up there quick and I may not be able to get there fast, but and I, I can't do it by myself, but somebody's going to have to make me. If I have to crawl to the kingdom, if I have to crawl to the altar, our mindset should be nothing is going to keep me from my invitation with the king tonight. But I'll crawl to the altar. Whatever I have to do and whatever my mindset has to be, I will meet my Savior. I will make my way to the kingdom tonight. I will do all that I can. Whatever it takes of me, God, I will meet you halfway. I will go all the way to the kingdom tonight. He didn't know what was waiting on him when he got there. But something inside of him knew that it had to be better than what he was going through now. The invitation to the kingdom had to be better than what he was facing right now. So why not go? Your problem may be so big and it may be swallowing you whole. You may not be able to afford the bills that are coming to the table. You may not be able to do this, that, or the other. You may be afflicted with something in your body, but the invitation to the kingdom, you may not know what it is. You may not know what God's calling you for, but I promise you it's better than what you're in. It's better than what you're facing. It's better than anything you could ever imagine if you can just make your way to the kingdom. Hallelujah. Verses 6 says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and he reverenced David. And David said unto Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth answered, and he said, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore all the land of Saul, thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Realize that no major miracle was given to Mephibosheth's legs or his feet. But because he accepted the invitation and met with the king, he no longer had to live in Lodabar. Now he found himself eating under the king's table. He found himself owning all of his father's land and his cattle. And he found himself with servants and gold and silver and linen. What was rightfully his was now restored to his life forever. And because he accepted the invitation from the king, all that was rightfully his was restored. And tonight the same can be said for you. No, he may not take away all of the scars and all of the bruises. But there is restoration in this place tonight. There is restoration for the weak. There is restoration for the hungry. For those that have been in the bar too long. You've been looking for the will of God. And you've been searching for the will of God. If you can, just bow your heads and begin to lift your hands. The altars are open if you want to make your way to the front. But, but there is, a, there is, a, there is a, a peace in this place tonight. And there is a restoration in this place. That no matter what you face and no matter what you've gone through. God can make you whole again. (laughs) Lord, our desperation cries out to you tonight, God. We're making our way to the kingdom. No matter what it takes, God, we'll accept that invitation. Your blood on Calvary will not go in vain here. Your blood at Calvary will not go in vain here, God. But we'll take that invitation and we'll meet you at Calvary tonight, God. We'll meet you at Calvary tonight, God. 
Hallelujah. We worship you tonight. Worship tonight as they begin to sing. Oh, there's restoration in this place tonight. 